Greetings from Bethel Church in Edgemont, South Dakota. Thanks for joining us today. I am Pastor Brad, and on behalf of Pastor Nancy, Bethel Church, and myself, we're glad that you are here. We hope that the message today is an inspiration for you. We hope that God's Word speaks to you. We hope that the Holy Spirit moves within you and that you are changed. Get ready. This is going to be good. Come on. Heavenly Father, we just, we just thank you that you're a God of mercy, that you give us grace and forgiveness even when we don't deserve it, God. And so God, as we go throughout this message, we just ask that you clear our hearts, open up our minds so that we may hear the words that you would have us hear. And all this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that was abrupt. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good. All right. So we are continuing on with our series entitled To Be Continued as we take a look at the book of Acts and we take a look at the early church. And over the past few weeks, we've looked at how the early church was called to take up that anointing that Jesus had put on their lives, that that moment to uh, fulfill the great commission that Jesus had laid before him. But I want to assure you that this calling wasn't just reserved for the early church. I think sometimes we can go through scripture and we can read about things that happen great things that happen and we forget that that calling has been placed upon us as well so in the first couple of chapters in acts the holy spirit's power and purpose was revealed to fulfill to fill believers and anoint them for the calling of the preaching of the gospel with boldness and those believers were united and they worked together to build the church and so today we have churches all over the world because of that encounter, that encounter that happened at Pentecost, that's, that's why we're able to be here today. So when all of this began, after the disciples had been with Jesus for three years, they would have never imagined that moment when Jesus would have left them. I can't imagine how horrible they must have felt at that moment when he was suddenly gone because he'd been so influential. And he was, he was that man that was able to convince them to leave their, their family trades in exchange they could potentially, they may be abandoned by their families. They might have been imprisoned and maybe if they were actually lucky, they might have been martyred because of their belief. See, Jesus was the one. He was the one. And they had these expectations of Jesus freeing them from Roman tyranny, but yet he was murdered like the rest of them. So they must have been thinking, if this could have happened to Jesus, it will definitely happen to, to us. And so what did they do? Well, they went and they hid because they feared for their lives. Peter even denied knowing him in the fear that he would be put to death. And so they, they started to think and they contemplated what was next. Who was going to continue all of this work that Jesus had begun and in contrast to the Gospels, the book of Acts paints a totally different picture of the apostles and the early followers of Jesus. And the reason is, is that a transformation took place. A, a pastor by the name of Jim Simbala, he's the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, he explained this happening in the book of Acts this way. He says, the early church was made up of simple men and women. The leaders were former fishermen and tax collectors who fled in fear when Jesus was arrested and needed them the most. They weren't courageous and faithful. In fact, they lacked faith and courage. 
They were the least likely to be put in charge of any Christian enterprise. Yet after the events in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, the same nobodies were suddenly transformed. With courage and faith, they turned their community and eventually the world upside down. I think that's a pretty miraculous explanation of of what happened that day. And today, as we continue in the book of Acts, I want to look at the four most distinctive qualities that happened in in that early church. I want to look at the impact these qualities had on the church itself and, and the bystanders that watched and then I'm, at the end, I'm going to have a challenge for all of us. But first of all, I want to go into Scripture and read to you from Acts chapter 2, um, from verses 40 through 47. It says, With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Isn't that crazy? That happened so long ago, but yet this is a, a verse that we should be reading ourselves today, right? Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It continues in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were gathered and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Verse 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that a a beautiful picture that's being painted there? It fills me with hope because if it could happen then, it could still happen today. People could come to Jesus and they could make that decision to join together and spend time together with one another, worshiping and living out that calling that Christ has. But we have to be deliberate because those things don't just happen on their own. So let's take a moment and look at those four qualities of the early church. The first thing is is that they had a heart of worship. Now there was no mistake that we started out our our worship today with, with that song entitled The Heart of Worship. Because see, the most... The first and most distinctive quality of the early church is that they had a sincere heart of worship. And if you know anything about our church, you know that our, one of our values at Bethel is, is that worship is our passion. But worship isn't just, isn't just music, right? Worship is a lifestyle. It's the way we live. It's the way we talk. It's the way that we, we behave. It's the way we interact with one another. It, worship is, is an embodiment of the believer, If you're a believer in Christ and you worship, then it fulfills every moment of your days. Worship says that we recognize. Worship says that we agree with and place a higher value on one thing as opposed to something else. So when our home in North Dakota, we had one of those vinyl stickers in our living room on the wall. And it's a Bible verse that many of you are very familiar with. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And oftentimes I think people read this verse and they, they equate it to money, right? Which is a part of it. I, don't, don't hear me wrong. I think it is a part of it. But truly it talks about things such as our time and our passions and where we put all of our, our daily energies, right? It speaks about what we value most. And in everyday life, we are generally pretty vocal about the things that we value. 
right? Anybody ever met a Chicago Bears fan? They're, they're, they're going to be pretty vocal about what they value. But, but there's a sad reality immersed in this idea because we're quicker to often publicize celebrity gossip. We're quicker to rave about our favorite sports team or talk about the latest celebrity and what's going on than we are to showcase the sovereignty of God. And the sad reality is that we're oftentimes more excited about what's taking place in the world than what God is doing in the world and through His church. See, we keep our salvation secret, but we broadcast what society says is exciting. And the sad reality is that we're so overly concerned with not offending people that we neglect God by fault. So I'm going to have Sharon put a picture up here. I don't know how many of you scroll Facebook, but I came across a couple Facebook posts this week, and the comments were crazy because this, the Facebook post was, was covered by this sensitive content. This video may be sensitive to some people. Now, if you're like me, you're like, I'm going to click to see this video or whatever this is because this is going to be good. Did anybody come across this this week? Okay, so you know what was hidden behind it. I don't have it memorized, but what it, it, was, it was a Bible verse about God. In God we trust, something like that. And Facebook had identified this as sensitive content. I think that says a lot about our culture and our society that we don't want to offend people by talking about God. It was pretty sad. And then I, I'm thinking, well, maybe somebody just figured out a way to get this to happen so that they could get this, this craziness going on. But it, but it was sad. Because a simple verse that says something like, in God we trust, our society says, wait a minute, you might not want to look at this. See, when we neglect to worship God for who He is, we contribute to the spiritual blindness of other people. When we're so afraid to talk about our faith and our salvation, sometimes we... we are sheltering other people from that opportunity as well. See, people are only going to know how to worship God when the, when the church teaches them how to worship God. And, and we all are a part of that church. I don't know, you might be like me and you're like, you know what, I have not any musical ability whatsoever, but we have to remember that worship isn't just about the music. See, the early church's greatest quality is that they had this heart of worship. It encompassed their everyday life. And they also had a heart of community. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 said, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And I don't think that that's a, an accident. I don't think that's a mistake, right? Because they were focused on what was important to them. Where their heart was, their treasure was. And they had found this new salvation in Jesus. And so that's what they had in common. And so therefore they spent time together. See, one, one of the most debilitating obstacles to community is this idea of selfishness. Now, I think we all fight selfishness on a regular basis. We like to say to people, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm not selfish. I'm, I'm very giving. But I hate to tell you this, we're selfish by nature. In fact, we were born that way. The, the heart, anybody who's got an infant, I mean, we have a new infant that's been brought to the Bethel family. Super exciting. Babies are the most selfish creatures on the face of the planet. <laughs> right? Because everything that they need, they cry and they whine and they want their needs met and they want it met right now. But really, I don't think as we grow older, we lose a lot of those things because we have needs and so therefore we become selfish. And if we're not deliberate about how we conduct ourselves, we actually can remain that way. 
And I don't think it's on purpose, but I think it happens. And so the early church, it was vital that they understood this idea of, of selfishness or maybe working towards selflessness, that they worked against selfishness and that they were in it together, that they were in it as, as community. And, and they actually figured it out. And they considered anything less as a direct offense against God Himself. So sometimes we have to reflect on ourselves and our own lives and, and, and our, the sense of community. How really are we truly connected as a community of believers? And so in Acts chapter 5, there was two people, Ananias and Sapphire. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but they withheld money from the land that they sold. And the question was asked to them, why have you sinned against the Holy Spirit? See, the question was asked because they went rogue from the church or the community of believers they belonged to and their selfishness got the best of them. Their sin wasn't really about the money, though. Their sin was about the community. Their sin was about being connected as community. So to live in an authentic community is to live among people who genuinely care about you. Those people who love you enough to, to have those conversations with you and say, you know what, I just noticed something's different. What can I do for you today? Heard an officer, I think I shared this once before, but we had an officer come in, talk to a couple kids who had made some poor choices. And he said, do you have any, anybody in your life that you really trust? Well, yeah. But do you have anybody in your life that is willing to punch you in the gut because you're not doing the right thing? And he said, I don't mean physically, but do you have somebody who's willing to, to call you out on your nonsense? I mean, that's the heart of community. Somebody who loves you enough to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. See, we have to have people who are going to be there to support you when your life suddenly comes crashing down around you. Because it's at those moments that we feel our loneliness when life crashes down around us. And this is why this quality is so important to God for the church. We weren't meant to do this on our own. The number, number three, the third characteristic that the, these people had is they had a heart of spiritual growth. Okay, they had a sincere heart of worship. They had real and authentic community and they prioritized their spiritual growth. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Devoted. You catch that word, they devoted themselves. That was their, their primary focus. They wanted to grow spiritually. And this wasn't about a particular preacher. It wasn't because all their friends were, were joining a Bible study. That's not what it was about. It wasn't even because they were guilted into being there every time the doors were open. No, they had a heart of spiritual growth. They showed up because they wanted to be there. See, the believers in Acts devoted themselves and continued to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching because it meant something to them. It meant something to them personally. I think sometimes as, as believers, we can go through this routine and, this, and just go through day-to-day -day lives and we forget that our salvation and our relationship with Jesus is a personal relationship. See, for these people, it had transformed their lives and God was using them in the transformation of other people. We all have things that we're devoted to, right? If I said, what are, what are you devoted to? Maybe you would say, it's my family. I would hope so. Or maybe you say, I'm, I'm very devoted to my work. Or maybe you're devoted to your hobbies or, or whatever the things may be. And all those things are great. But remember the words of Job when he said this. He said, treasured the words of the mouth of God more than his natural 
food. Now that's that's scriptures taken somewhat out of context, right? Because we don't have the before and we don't have the after. But treasuring the words of the mouth of God more than natural food. That 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 says something about the treasuring of what God has to say. And then Peter said in First Peter, he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. That's a pretty powerful statement. The fact that we we crave that spiritual growth. That's what it's all about. And each of us has a responsibility because nobody can do it for us, right? We have this responsibility to prioritize our own spiritual growth because your spiritual growth is probably different than than my spiritual growth. And so we we have to figure that out and we have to prioritize it. The fourth thing that this group of early believers had is they had the heart of evangelism. Now, this is one of those things that in, in the Christian faith, I think sometimes that we're like, yeah, I, I got the worship down, right? And I'm in, I'm in community and I join a small group and I come to church and I have coffee and donuts or whatever afterwards. And I prioritize that, that God is my, my Savior and I want to continue to grow spiritually. But this evangelism thing, I, yeah, I, I don't know about that. Now, I had this sense and so... Um, I have the sense that maybe Christians aren't really strong in this area, that maybe it's just not me or maybe it's not just our church. So I did some research and I found a, a study by a, a organization known as Lifeway. It's a Christian research company. And it turns out that 39% of Christians are willing to evangelize. 39%. And 15% are eager to evangelize. So now while these proportions amount to more than half of self-described believers, the statistics on the other side are what's concerning, right? Because if you take that 39%, and I don't know if the 15 goes with the 39, but they're not great, right? Three in 10, about 29% are neutral about evangelism. They they, they could take it or leave it. 18% are reluctant, which that number actually I think seems a little small. And 11% are completely indifferent about it. With a totality of 58% of self-described Christians either remaining neutral or having a negative feeling about evangelism. Here's some other, other facts about it as well. Just under 4 in 10 have shared the salvation message. So 4 people out of 10 have spoken to somebody else about the salvation message. While 40% reported speaking with individuals about faith, just 34% invited somebody they didn't know to church. And only 30% discussed how to become a believer. And then the last statistic here is 39% shared a story about what God has done in their lives. And I think that last percentage, it's a small percentage, but I think that's the easiest one. Right when we when we meet somebody and they ask us, hey, tell me about about this Jesus. What is it? What has he done for you? Our testimony should be our easiest way to share the salvation story. So how do we develop this heart? Because it's obviously that the heart of evangelism isn't really there. How do we develop it? Well, to engage in evangelism first requires engaging the heart of God. See, the early church had a sincere heart for worship and because they lived in real community together and because they prioritized their spiritual growth, they were effective in reaching the lost with the gospel. I mean, this was their whole world, right? Again, after Jesus' crucifixion, the disciples feared for their lives. But in Acts, when their lives were in danger, they didn't run or hide. They prayed for boldness to speak the word of God. They were transformed. They were changed. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says, After they prayed, 
The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. See, if we want to mirror the early church and their ability to change the world, we have to adopt these things. We have to adopt the the heart of worship. We have to join together in community. We have to work on our spiritual growth, and we have to focus on evangelism. We have to get out and spread the word. See, God is calling the church today just as he did back then. He's calling us to be a light in our community. And the qualities that we talked about today, they're kingdom qualities that we should strive to live by. We should be focusing on these things. So my challenge that I promised you at the beginning, my challenge for you is this. First of all, my challenge is to examine your hearts. Where is your heart? I challenge you to strive to possess these qualities. See, our goal shouldn't just be to come to church on Sunday and make it through a week and say, yeah, that was a pretty good week and let's go recharge and do it all over again. No, our goal should be a light to the, other, to the rest of the world. Right? We should be so connected in our faith. We should be so connected spiritually that when people see us, they say, there's a light. I don't know what it is, but I got to chase after them and follow them. Right? Our desire should be that the gospel is preached to all nations because of the obedience of God's people. See, I, I truly believe in, in the power of salvation. I, my, my, my testimony and my salvation story, when I go back through it, and I swear on a weekly basis, I go through that transition and I think about it. And then I think about how many people could benefit from that story. Because none of us is perfect. I'm still not perfect. But it's that the way that God works in our lives is just so vitally important. So my encouragement for you this week is, is to really adopt that heart of worship. Adopt that, the idea of community. Take every opportunity you can to be connected with other believers and share in the faith. And take that moment to spend some time in the Word, whether it's opening up your Bible or listening to a sermon on a podcast or whatever it is. And my challenge is this week to find somebody to talk about your faith with. Maybe it's your spouse, because maybe that's where you have to practice first, right? But really have that authentic conversation about what God is truly doing in your lives. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day. God, we thank you for the, the gift of grace and the gift of salvation, God. God, I thank you that you're able to bring that gift within this church, that you are changing lives on a daily basis, God. And God, because of that transformation, we ask that you open up our hearts and allow us to speak the words to other people, to share in that blessing with other people who need to hear those words, God. God, I ask your blessing on each and every family in this room, that their lives will be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that life's difficulties will be easier to navigate because you're there with them, God. God, we thank you for everything that you do in this church. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.